Hello, and welcome to Marking Out with My Girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, Erin. This is my girlfriend, Kat. And sometimes we forget that it's all at work. We have a lot to get to this week. Holy shit, do we have a lot to get to this week. I'm so glad we only cover AEW, because (laughs) they did. (laughs) With the pay-per-view in here, and two episodes of Dark, and another Dynamite, plus other news. (laughs) We're not short on topics. So, what do we want to start with? Do we want to start with last week's? last week's dark do we want to the one that came out on friday the one that came out as we went live last week yes (laughs) or do we want to talk about c2e2 first i do have a couple quick notes from c2e2 if we want to get this out of the way let's talk about c2e2 okay so at the chicago comic and entertainment expo aw had a booth set up they had a media panel going on where Cody came out wearing a giant Young Bucks scarf. Yeah, that was that was interesting. I, it was subtle. It was real subtle, Cody. <laughs> real subtle. Very, nothing was up at all. I'm sure we won't get to that uh, later on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there was a couple things in here that I wanted to point out. The first was the stories of how Kenny Omega tortures the prop staff. <laughs> Uh, by the way, Aaron, before we upload this episode, I'm going to need two uh, six foot tall, uh, two six foot tall cans of rain, <laughs> and a pride flag that ca- that requires three people carry it. Is that our new entryway? It's just a giant pride flag. Yeah, but I'm gonna need that like by tonight. Okay. I'm sure we can work that out. It shouldn't before, be too hard. Before, before it becomes 3 a.m. <laughs> if you'd ordered this months ago, it would have cost us $2,000. Instead, it's costing us ten. <laughs> yeah, so Kenny Omega likes to come up with ideas last minute and then make it the props department's problem. Yep. <laughs> I, I need a broom wrapped in barbed wire. <laughs> a sugar glass coffee table. This bed of barbed wire. <laughs> I need a bunch of mouse traps stuck to a piece of particle board. <laughs> now, I did find this part interesting because there was a news issue last month that there that there was like discrepancies with the EVPs of All Elite. Mm-hmm. So, hearing this story. And knowing the other stories that come up about Cody being Cody in a very Cody way. Yes. Which is alluded to later on with the giant scarf. (laughs) I can see how that would really come across as a lot of disorder. But if these guys know each other, then it's not that big of an issue. It's the prop department's problem. (laughs) 
Well, like that—that's the thing. Like it seems like the potential source of problem for the EVPs is that you have a bunch of really strong creative minds. Yep. And there's potential for those creative minds to come in conflict. Yep. Like, you know, with any any creative organization, you have to be on the same page or you have to be managing your projects independently. Otherwise, there's potential for conflict. Yeah, because everyone wants to get their stuff in. They want to be front and center. So that's heavy balance, which they also mentioned was uh, kind of a role that Tony Khan has. Yes. Tony Khan, the investor in All Elite with an amazing knowledge of wrestling, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, Tony Khan definitely has the bona fides of a true blue wrestling nerd. <laughs> like, I like to think I'm a wrestling nerd, and this guy makes me look like I've never turned it on in my life. <laughs> this guy makes you look like me. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> so yeah, that was one thing that came up. The next note I have here was they were talking about the inner circle. Mm-hmm. When Dynamite was first starting up, they kind of wanted to make as like an antithesis to the elite. Right. And it definitely showed that for a little bit at the start with mm-hmm. Santana Ortiz showing up with uh, Cody and Jericho. Cody and Jericho, MJF and Sammy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they really want to do that. And I find it funny how now, almost a year from their first, from Double or Nothing, the first time, that they kind of don't have anything to do with each other now. <laughs> yeah, their storyline. Well, their storylines are coalescing again. Eh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, okay, the, the big thing is, like, it doesn't feel like Cody's part of the elite anymore. He's definitely out doing his own thing with the MJF stuff that came up. Well, like that and the Nightmare family is their own stable outside of the elite at this point. Kind of, yeah. You know. Like the elite is uh, Hangman Page currently. The Bucks (laughs) and Kenny Omega. Yeah, the the Nightmare family kind of does mark themselves as that. Yeah, they're like their own thing. Also, sorry, I just want to clarify for those listening and those in the Twitch audience. We are exclusively going to refer to him as Hangman Page. Not Hangman Page, but Hangman. (laughs) That is what his Twitter account said when we went to check it this morning. (laughs) Or yesterday or something. (laughs) Last time I checked it, that's what it said. Hangman. Yep. And the last note I have here is they made brief, brief mention of an AEW video game. Okay. Saying that they were looking at a very specific kind of game with a very specific engine. And that makes me freak out because it makes me think that they're trying to get a hold of the old Aki engine, which ran WCW versus NWO World Tour, uh, WWE WrestleMania 2000, WWE No Mercy. All the games that I loved (laughs) the most. What did those come out on? That was the N64. That's what I thought, because <laughs> I played those on the N64 as well. Yep. The question is, do they just reuse the old gold dust, or do they reprogram in Dustin? Uh, funny enough, I don't think gold dust shows up in any of those games. I could have sworn he showed up in at least one of the N64 wrestling games. Well, it wasn't No Mercy, I can tell you that. <laughs> now I'm just going to check, because why not? Yeah, that's... 
okay, we can move on. We've got a lot to talk about. <laughs> we got a lot more to go through. <laughs> because after after C two E two, we had that one episode of Dark. Yep. Um, there was a Dark Order match, and that's about all I remember. Well, the show started out with Luther versus Sunny Kiss. Right, Luther versus Sunny Kiss, because A, they finally let Luther wrestle. Yep. And B, put Sunny Kiss on TV. Hashtag put Sunny Kiss on TV. Sunny Kiss is amazing. We want to see more of him. <laughs> but I think in this one. Part of it is JR has no idea what to do with Sunny Kiss. Oh my God. It, it's true. It honestly is. But yeah, in this one, Sunny Kiss got a little more offense than he did last week against Jimmy Havoc. Yep. Not a whole lot more, but uh, he got more. A <laughs> little bit. It It's still kind of sad to see Sonny being used as like a sacrificial lamb. Yeah. In this kind of way. But we're getting a, a Jimmy Havoc versus Luther storyline out of it. So that'll be pretty good. Yeah. Also, Aaron, you could just call him a jobber. He's jobbing right now. I know. I don't want to admit it. So is Leva. I know, but they're kind of more set up as jobbers. <laughs> <laughs> what other what other matches did we have like i if i'm if i'm being honest there was a relatively unremarkable dark because it was like literally squeezed in yeah it didn't get the kind of attention it sh probably should have with revolution being the very next night and with the c2e2 panel and all the other hype they were building up but there was the dark order uh versus the librarians and or Peter Avalon, the librarian, and Michael Nakazawa. Right. <laughs> where Leva informed Peter Avalon that he should not be a dick by holding mm -hmm. a book that says, don't be a dick. <laughs> mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. was funny. <laughs> a really quick squash match on Nakazawa because Avalon ended up leaving because he didn't like the uh, baby oil gimmick. <laughs> he didn't like the Turkish oil wrestling? No, he doesn't. I, I'm, I'm not sure why. But yeah, it was a really quick, quick match. Uh, we did find out at the end, someone at the commentary table has a uh, John Madden-esque draw pad for, this, for the replays. Oh, yeah. It's never been used before or since. Oh, yeah, no, that's just, it was just there that one time and never again. <laughs> yep, we drew this one half circle. And I, really we'll never want them to start, I really want them to start using that more. <laughs> yep. Although I get the feeling it was used maybe at Double or Nothing last year for something, but it wasn't used since then until this point. <laughs> I mean, like, fuck, you know what else was used at Double or Nothing last year and then never again? Fucking Golden Boy. So let's keep moving on. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, after this was another pretty quick squash match of Britt Baker and Miranda Alizé. Mm -hmm. Uh, basically to show that Britt Baker is a bitch. <laughs> yeah. She kept arguing with Aubrey during it, and that's when, uh, Alizé would get her offense in. But it wasn't a whole lot, and ended in a lockjaw, like you'd expect. As... She looked good through it. Yeah? Yep. It, they've put Britt Baker in a weird position right now. I honestly think the dark after Revolution did a much better job of showcasing her than this one. Mm-hmm. Mainly because it wasn't a squash match. <laughs> yeah, but like, so, it just, it's felt like 
Britt Baker has, from a storyline perspective, kind of stagnated. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Like, there's only so many times she can beat people whose records start with O. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, have it be believable and or entertaining. Yeah, it's like, they really... AEW's women division really hit a stride of saying we want Nyla as the uh, champion heel. Mm-hmm. And that leaves Britt Baker with she's the other heel. Right. And making uh, and like, you know, Nyla plays a very different heel. Yep. They are Even though they're both different. playing the they're, but the thing is, they're both playing the arrogant heel. But kind of in two different ways. But in very different ways. Yeah. And it showcases the range that you can put into an arrogant heel. And I really like that. It also showcases um, the range of talent that is on this division. That, yeah, that's true as well. <laughs> um, okay. So I think that was everything in that dark. Uh, there was Sean Spears and Brandon Cutler versus private party. Right. Where Spears was still looking for, for a tag partner. Right. At- and Spears still walked out. Walked out. And then Brandon Cutler took on both members of Private Party by himself and probably could have picked up a win if he wasn't paying attention to Spears at the top of the ramp. Yes. And we, I know Cutler is dropping. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows it. Cutler knows it. But, like, he's got some fucking moves. Yeah. He you know, is very fun to watch. I love the over-the-top entrance, even with the D20 always rolling a one. <laughs> that poor guy like that thing's gotta be loaded yeah it has to be the um i wonder if they've got like a loaded one with a 20 and then that's the match he starts winning when they want to push him (laughs) i hope so i really do aw creative you have my number call (laughs) me they do they do no but they can find me on twitter i was gonna say they don't have my number wish they would Uh, aaron (laughs) DMs. <laughs> oh yeah, DMs are the new phone numbers, aren't they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, like the TPK looked really good, and I think that's the first time he's hit a TPK. Like he, they've talked about it. He's tried to get set up for one before, but yep. this is the first time he's actually hit one. Yep. So like that was cool to see. It was really impressive. So, yeah, I lied when I said this wasn't an impressive episode of Dark. It was a good episode of Dark. <laughs> yeah, I just, just forgot it among everything else. Yeah, it got buried, unfortunately. So, um, that, yeah, Spears is still looking for a tag partner. And and in fact, we got uh, hashtag, oh, what is it? I can't remember now. Partners for Spears or something? I can't remember now. <laughs> But I know it led to a Twitter poll between three people, one of which is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling. And uh, my fingers are crossed. <laughs> <laughs> that Simon from What Culture. AEW has years. said they're doing shows in the UK this year. That's where Simon is. <laughs> I, I'm aware of that. <laughs> Let's move on. That hashtag has introduced me to some really cool wrestlers. Like, for real, though. I've been enjoying stalking the hashtag for, um, like, just to be able to look at some of these, like, videos that people are sending in. 
Yep. I'm really enjoying the promos that uh, Philip Cardigan does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I-, I like how his benefits are vision, dental, and a 401k. <laughs> <laughs> Like, honestly, go go check that guy out. He's really funny. Would you like to jump into the pay-per-view now? Or as Excalibur called it, the (laughs) pee-per-view. Pee-per-view? I forgot about that. (laughs) I made sure to note that one down immediately. (laughs) That was on the (laughs) pre-show. Speaking of the pre-show. Oh my gosh. Another Dark Order match. That was Dark Order and SCU. Yep. Very good tag match. They teased at revealing the Exalted One. Yep. They, they poked at it a little bit more. We all know his uh, his contract didn't end till right after this, though. So they couldn't do a whole lot. But it was a really good match with Dark Order showing their numbers with... They had uh, Silver and Reynolds on the outside. Mm-hmm. Kept getting involved. Just doing their thing. And they did a very good job of isolating uh, Frankie Kazarian. Mm-hmm. Who eventually gets a hot tag to Scorpio. Uh, so he starts picking apart everyone who comes at him. Eventually Grayson hits a double Pele kick on Scorpio and Kazarian. Which then leads to Dark Order doing a bunch of tag team moves. Mm-hmm. Like, it looked like, like one of those video games we just talked about. <laughs> it was great. Yes. Yeah. And Dark Order plays their, their number of games perfectly and picks up a win. Really good match. I loved it. Right. Then. Then. Then the fun happens. Then after the bell. <laughs> there's they, there's a there's a brawl. Yep. As a you do. A, a man in a cloak comes out. No, wait. Wait what, first. What, what's the order? No, there's a brawl. There's a brawl. And then. Then. Colt fucking Cabana comes out. Boom, boom. <laughs> Colt Cabana. And then. The crowd pops, and then Cole Cabana pops a few Dark Order minions, and then... Yeah, but again, numbers pick up on them again. And then... Then, a man in a robe emerges. Very, um... It was me, Austin! (laughs) Exactly, that is exactly the call that was happening there. Because way back then, Christopher Daniels was in a lead position to be the leader of the Ministry of Darkness. Mm-hmm. And then Vince McMahon met him and went, he's too short. <laughs> Which is very Vince. Because fuck talent. If you're not seven foot nothing, what are you? If you're not a, if you're not a big meaty man slapping meat, <laughs> then we don't watch in the WWE. <laughs> yep, that's about it. <laughs> So yeah, big meaty men slapping meat. <laughs> so yeah, Daniel throws off the rope, shows him, literally jumps into the ring, and evens everything up. Mm-hmm. So th- now, um, this was another pay per view with the elevated ramp. Yep. So, which like, I'm a fan of. <laughs> it makes it harder for good camera angles on topes. That's fair, yeah. Which, I guess, saves AEW from being Tope Fest 2K19, or 2K20, as it were. <laughs> That's a good name for a video game, actually. But yeah, I'm not as much of a fan of that style of ramp, but that's just, like, you know, 
personal preference. Yeah. I grew accustomed to it years ago watching CMLL. Okay. The Lucha Libre, the, the mm-hmm. second biggest Lucha Libre company in Mexico. That's the kind of ramp they set for all their shows. So I like the work that can be done with it, which shows up more later on even. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that was the buy-in match, which was not a bad buy-in. Oh, yeah, no, that was like a really good showing. Colt Cabana definitely warmed the crowd up. Oh, my God. He boiled them right away. <laughs> and then, so, um, the way that I would describe Dynamite just in general was a bit of a roller coaster, but like a classic wooden coaster where all you're doing is going up and down and up <laughs> and down because... Oh, there was there was a plateau. Some some of those wooden roller coasters have the plateau. Yep. Where you're up and you you stay up for a little while. And there's um, some sweet curves on a good wooden coaster. Yeah. So uh, our first match on the actual pay per view <laughs> was um, the shithead Jake Hager <laughs> against Dustin. Yep. And spe- speaking of which, here we have two meaty men slapping meat. It, yeah, yeah. This is a wrestling podcast where we focus on the positive. So let's move on to the next match. I would like to point out one positive thing that okay. I got, got from this. Uh, Dustin revealed his show his shirt, saying, "I'm here to fight Jericho's bitch." To which Jake Hagar very obviously replied, "You motherfucker." <laughs> okay, that was that was pretty solid. Um, I. Uh... One positive thing we can talk about is how much this match reminded me that I vastly prefer Dustin's uh, dynamite style makeup over the yep. current makeup uh, over that that makeup that he did for that match. Yeah, he just he made a mess of himself. It looked like it, it was like a little. It was like a horror movie version. I don't. I don't know. It was a. It was a like. I'd give that a solid like. Yeah, Joker-ish, but like I'd give that like a solid um C minus. <laughs> That's fair. I don't think it was a failure of a match. I just No, it definitely I, did what it, they were setting out to do, I feel. Yeah, and like it was a bad night for the Rhodes family. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I the cause like so the thing that like got me was like, you know, you expect when you know, one member of a stable loses. It's setting up for the next match where a member of that stable wrestles for them to win. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel super one-sided, which I appreciate that they were willing to subvert. Oh yeah, definitely. It it led to it. It worked better for the stories they were telling individually, mm-hmm. not relying so much on the overall Nightmare Family narrative. Yes, I, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Like, like I said, CC minus. Okay, I think you really like the match after this, though. I think most people really like the <laughs> match after this. The match that wasn't as long as a lot of people think, because most of it was before the bell. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, that was that was the kind of match that you stick at the top of, you know, like at the opening on a card, like. That's the kind of match that fires up the crowd and like I think I would have swapped 
uh, Dustin and Jake Hager match with the Darby and Sammy match. Yeah. Because I was going to see how long it took you to actually name this one. (laughs) That, like, just the amount of brawling that happened before the match even started. Like, not even brawling. A 6.30 off the top rope through a table on the outside and Darby still got up. Yep. (laughs) And, like, what's casual 6.30? There's, like, what, four dudes in wrestling who can hit a 6.30 moonsault? Not a whole lot. I'm probably one of them. (laughs) (laughs) You're not a dude. You're not in wrestling. And Aaron... I'm 99% sure you cannot hit a 630 moonsault. I can I can barely fall over with how bad my back is. <laughs> That's what I thought. But yeah, these two are just so athletic and so almost carefree with their own bodies <laughs> that they will just yes. do stuff like this. And it's amazing to see. I have a note here actually that I love Darby Allen. He's wonderful and amazing. I hate Darby matches because it's a it's a car wreck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I appreciated about this match is that they didn't drag out the match. Like when you have a match that th- that is this high intensity. Yep. It's kind of OK to let it be over relatively quickly. Yeah, it's a quick because burn. it's so intense. You know, you want it like either it burns quickly or you have a you can have a slow burn match. So you need to kind of ebb and flow and have peaks for slow burn matches. Otherwise, you end up with um, AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura at WrestleMania. <sighs> <laughs> can only do those so many times. That would have been like a solid mid card match at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. But yeah, throughout this match, uh, Sammy had a lot of control in it. Mm-hmm. At one point, getting Darby up on a top rope, almost slipping, and managed to come, catch himself into a Spanish fly off of it, which Darby kicks out of. Sammy removes the turnbuckle pad on one of the corners, ends up hitting it himself, catches a float over Stoner, and the coffin drop for, Sam, for Darby to pick up the win. Yep. And like, you know, that's how you want to see a match like that go. And it was honestly as fast as I just said it. Mm-hmm. At least it felt like it. Like I, I, you know, that's that's like a that's a very very solid high energy match that took the crowd up to like you know ninety five percent hype. They, they were ready for just about anything after that. And what did they get after that, Aaron? Oh, oh, oh. What After could easily, was, easily be described as the match of the decade? I don't know about decade, but definitely it's a good contender for match of the year in a week where we already had a contender for, for match of the year. <laughs> a match of the year? This is still February. <laughs> yeah, end of February, but it counts. We had Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega defending... The AEW Tag Team titles against the Young Bucks. The Bucks of Youth. Now, there is an important note to make here that the Young Bucks are just spot monkeys. And as such, they're not that great at telling stories in wrestling. (laughs) Now, having said that, the Young Bucks (laughs) told an amazing story through this match. (laughs) Oh my god, this match told an incredible story. 
oh, it just highs and highs and lows and highs. And like, okay, so let's let's talk about this because this match featured a lot of parallels between the match from oh god what was it strong style evolve 2018 thank you uh the strong style evolve 2018 match between the golden lovers and the young bucks yep as in at times frame for frame i actually went through and watched both Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. they are very similar and take a and this one definitely takes a lot of notes from that one and like improves on what was already amazing yes like that the golden lovers and the young bucks put on what is a like match for the ages with a heart-wrenching story oh my god (laughs) and then this took that formula and just made it better and like it's hard to make that match better but they figured out how yep uh one of the first big differences for this is there was a lot of actual heel play by the bucks Mm -hmm. the crowd was not with them tonight they were all in with uh hangman page hangman hangman page yep thank you for correcting me and even at times kenny got booed by this crowd Mm -hmm. because he stopped hangman from doing stuff like the the way that this match felt okay so i have to cop to something Last week when we were recording, I said nobody, no AAW crowd would ever boo the Young Bucks. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) Not 24 hours later, I was eating those words. Yep. So I will fully admit here and now on the podcast, I made a goof. But you know what? It's one of those goofs that anyone would have made. No one would have gotten to... into the thinking the bucks are legitimately going to play heel with the crowd but like it's and like so that's the thing though like it's the difference to me between japanese wrestling audiences and american wrestling audiences and this is an indictment of neither it's that american audiences to me tend to buy in a little bit more to storylines okay like, they're more willing to wholeheartedly believe in the heels. And maybe that's just because I don't understand Japanese. Uh, are you talking about that like... Strong Style Evolved? Yeah. Uh, Strong Style Evolved was in Malibu Beach. Fair. <laughs> but it was also at, like, the height of the Elite, where Kenny and the Bucks were at the top of their popularity. And they just kind of went for what they were doing. And here, something about the AEW crowd just lends itself to getting behind Paige no matter what. Like, syncophantically, maybe. Like, hand him $100 worth of drinks. Oh my god. Yep. (laughs) That's funny still. That's still very funny. (laughs) Okay. It was just, like, and... The AEW crowds just in general feel very like into the storylines. Yeah. It's it's a conditioning that's been going on since they started, really. Uh, As opposed to WWE, where watching it conditions you to looking for the next Mm pay-per-view, where this is going to be where the big match is. 
that's the part you want to see. And the rest of it leading up to it isn't as important. In AEW, it seems, the journey is more important than the destination. The destination is still a huge part. Like, yep. That's, like, very evident here. But this, like, like this feud isn't over because of this no, match. Not by a long shot. Like, they just left it even more open, really. Like, for context, the, the match started with Hangman spitting in Matt Jackson's face. And, it, and, ha, and, and yet, Matt Jackson still got the most booze. Yep. He, he jumped on Hangman immediately, and Kenny and Nick both had to pull him off. Mm-hmm. Until Hangman did something to Nick as well. <laughs> uh, oh, he slapped Nick. That's what it was. So, like, the thing that um, happened at both Strong Style Evolved and here is that Matt plays the... Matt plays the character of being the more emotional of the two. Yes. And he does it really... It's a good dynamic that they have. Yep. Where, like, one of them gets really emotional about the match, and the other one's like, hey, hey, you know, like, calm down a little bit. They're still our friends. Yeah. But then Hangman gives a really stiff slap to Matt, and they're just both in now. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, we're taking these two out. (laughs) Which is then followed up by a stiff tag to Omega. Yes, the your turn to fight them. Yeah, I'm sick like, of doing this all by myself. <laughs> I'm gonna it's I'm gonna do all of this by myself, asshole. <laughs> I'm sick of doing all of this by myself. Fuck you. Yep. <laughs> Get in there and fight. <laughs> oh. Get in there and fight your best friends. Yep. And you know what? They did. Kenny and Matt put on an amazing spectacle during this. Yeah. All four of them just did not hold back at all. Like, there was a table. They went through a table. They fucking took bumps on the ramp. But not on the part of the ramp that was designed to be just ramp. The part of the ramp that was also a screen that needed to be used for the rest of the show. (laughs) And I was like, oh no, what if it breaks? They're going to be screwed. This is going to be a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, that was impressive. Um, even more so from like an athletic point of view, because Matt Jackson was doing the three uh, Northern Light suplexes to Hangman up it, mm-hmm. and he's going uphill while doing this. Yeah, he's got to keep his balance and try to get Paige into a position where he can help going uphill. <laughs> and he almost looked like regretful on the last one onto the screen. Mm-hmm. He's like, "I know I have to do this. I still don't want to." <laughs> Like, I think the only one who came out of that match looking like they weren't a complete dick was Kenny Omega. Yeah, Kenny is still very much stuck in the middle of this. Like... He he made no move left or right on it at all. This is very much like... There was a there was a lot. I mean, like, there's still more we have to talk about with this match. Because Hangman hit an incredible one-winged angel. Yeah. Uh, that was after the Bucks beat up Kenny, uh, mm-hmm. firstly giving him a golden trigger. That was the finishing move of the Golden Lovers, which caused Kenny to kick out a one. And Kat, if I can have the floor for a moment. Yes. I have something I need to address here. Hold on, let me play some romantic music. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's go with makeout jams. <laughs> 
Okay, you're good to go. Okay. So, how Kenny kicked out a one, and with how much emotion he had kicking out a one, to the point of even hitting the mat and legitimately breaking his hand off of that. I think there's something that needs to be addressed here. Uh, Mr. Omega, can I call you Kenny? Kenny. Kenneth. Kenneth, you need to call Coda. You're not over him. And this is obviously eating at you still. I'm sure he's just waiting for you to go first. So please, Kenny, call Coda. He loves you. <laughs> oh, I, I wrote that like a week ago. And I've just been waiting to do that. Call him. Go to him. He needs you. And we need both of you. Because we so. need more gay storylines in AEW. Yeah, imagine what they do here. <laughs> imagine what, what happens when Kenny has complete creative control over the storyline. <laughs> With his boyfriend. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, th this led to a series of pin attempts on Omega. Eventually, it looks like the Bucks are going to get him. Uh, Hangman comes in after, from the Northern Lights suplexes yeah, on he's the ramp. Just been, he's just been, what, triple Northern Lights suplex onto the ramp? Up the ramp, onto the screen, yep. Comes in, breaks it up, hits a one-wing angel of his own. After a really, really brutal buckshot lariat. Yep. So this puts over the one-wing angel in a really special way. It doesn't matter so much if... Omega is when they use it. Mm -hmm. The move itself is so devastating. Hangman almost got a three count off it if it weren't for Nick Jackson coming in and breaking up the pin attempt. Mm -hmm. Kenny also, while Hangman was out there on the ramp, Kenny playing the uh, the babyface in peril was just like chef kiss. Yes. Oh gosh. So yeah, incredible, incredible spots beautiful storytelling like not maybe not as heart-wrenching as strong style evolved was but there was definitely that palpable tension they've been building over the past month or two mm -hmm. and it just all came together and it's still there <laughs> yeah so like the match ended and like the bucks went for the handshakes to be like hey that was a lot we're still friends yeah and Hangman wanted nothing to do with them. Justifiably. Still, yeah. Uh, there was a moment where Kenny had his back to Hangman. Uh, yeah, after the that, bell. That belt drop where he's like looking at him like, do I do it? And he's, he's taking a hold of the rope. He's getting ready to go over it. He's getting ready for a buckshot lariat. And Kenny turns around. And he's like, come on, let's leave. Yeah. Now, watching that live, it felt like that shot was forever. Yeah. I went back and watched, like, a cell phone video someone took from the crowd. Mm-hmm. And it was maybe five seconds. Yeah, it was <laughs> Like, I just stopped short, breathing for that five seconds. Like, you heard every single heartbeat in that state. Like, in the whole, the whole sold-out crowd, it was just... Chum, 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 chum. Chum, chum. Yeah. Chum, chum. Oh. 
like just amazing <laughs> the the amount of tension that was built in those five seconds six star match oh yeah uh dave Meltzer agrees that that was a six star match uh which is amazing considering hangman's highest rating before this was i think it was a four and three quarters star mm-hmm. and i think the highest he's that Meltzer's given out is a seven star for Omega versus Okada in a two out of three falls match. Mm-hmm. Like that's how good this match was. This is a match to study in the future. There are very few six star matches. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of matches, there's more on this transition card. cat. There's more just in the pay-per-view. We still have a whole episode of dynamite to cover after we finish the next and an episode of Dark. We have, what, four? One, two, three, four more matches to cover. <laughs> Thankfully, none of my notes are as long for any of those matches. Yeah, none of the... I, it, it's hard to... It's hard to beat what happened at that match. Yeah. I... They... They got close, though. They, they tried. Everyone watched they, that match, and they tried. They tried. They really tried to top that match. Like, it's hard to. And they didn't, but they got close. Um, so, yeah, the match so after in, that? In what was almost assuredly the worst spot to be on the card. <laughs> yep, yep. You have the women's championship title match between champion Nyla Rose and the galaxy's greatest alien, Chris Statlander. Yep. And they blew it out of the park. I, I I very much love this match still. I it was a good match. It was a good match. It just it's hard to call it a great match. It did, however, remind me that Nyla's only what, five six? Yep. <laughs> so yeah there was Nyla finally had to compare to who is similar in stature and strength kind of so Statlander tried to outpace her during the match mm-hmm. just keep moving keep going but couldn't seem to get through but she was able to show off a little bit of toughness when she was caught with a surprise beast bomb and managed to kick out at two top rope beast bomb for a yeah. three there, and they both came out of it looking really good, I think. Oh, oh yeah, also as an aside, Chris Statlander did have a cold and or the flu. Yeah, she was fighting a flu all that week. Uh, it did have... I, it looked like it had an effect the first time they went up to the top rope where uh, she seemed to slip. And it made for a pretty bad superplex. Thankfully, it doesn't look like anyone was hurt out of it. Okay, um, I've got a thing for what's my beef. Oh? We'll save it for the end. I'll okay. make sure to write it down this time. Okay, I've got mine written right at the top of this document. Because I'm ready. <laughs> I should probably turn my game down for that one, actually. Okay. So, yeah, it was a, it. My thing is, at no point during that match did I feel like Nyla was going to lose. No. That, that can be one downside to it, like... It definitely felt like Nyla was going to plow through Statlander. And mm-hmm. 
at this point in her reign, I'm kind of okay with that because you want her looking stronger than the competition right now. Yeah, no, to, to really absolutely. start building everyone else up. It just yeah, it, it it was a match that I don't know. Like they they obviously they needed a women's match on the card, but I don't know that this was the match that the women's division deserved to have as a pay per view card match. You know, like it felt very this could have happened on any dynamite okay yeah i see your point that's like it would have been good on any dynamite but yeah. compared to most of the rest of the card <laughs> so to no fault of their own the competition they were up against exactly because after that immediately was the most hyped match of the night the match in... that like everyone has been clamoring for the match for that months and months, months of build up through and also the payoff to that cage. scarf spot from c2e2 oh yep <laughs> uh, so in so, cody versus mjf cat yeah. would you like to explain the scarf spot for everyone because i'm gritting my teeth <clears throat> so uh cody got a fucking neck tattoo <laughs> but not only did cody get a fucking neck tattoo Cody got a neck tattoo, what, the Thursday before the pay-per-view? Which means Cody had a two-day-old tattoo when he was wrestling. A two- That's- Is this your beef, Aaron? This is my beef. (laughs) Okay, we're starting What's Your Beef Early. (laughs) So what's my beef? My beef is Cody Rhodes wrestling with a goddamn neck tattoo less than three days old. That is not proper tattoo maintenance at all. That's almost as dumb as the time that I went to the Renaissance Fair with my tattoo exposed the day after I got it. Yep, that's not good for it either. But at least you were wrestling. It really does. So I actually got a tattoo done today. You know, as research for this bit right? I, i'm pretty sure yeah totally i totally didn't plan that at all <laughs> oh i didn't see the colors yeah i got it done in color Ooh. yeah we decided Great. when i got there to do color instead of black and gray um but yeah when we took a break i showed the artist it's like this is the neck tattoo this person got two days before he wrestled a 25 minute match and she looked at it and went what <laughs> do you want hep c that's how you get fucking hep c <laughs> yep <laughs> so yeah so, my beef is not so much that cody gueno got a neck tattoo that's fine that's cody's body he can do whatever he wants to it even if i don't like the placement so high up into his jawline but wrestling two days after getting it is just not good no it's almost as bad as a travesty of what has happened to the damn Devin dots Not the damn Dippetons. Okay, and breathe. Okay, so I'm good. <laughs> my beef is twofold, thanks to our Twitch audience. Right, Sue. So, uh, my first beef is with the women's belt. Okay. It looks like it was designed for an American girl doll. <laughs> Which fair. I guess is like 
technically the same size as Riho. Yep. <laughs> and I I want something a little more substantial. Like it it really really looks like it was just it's just too small on everyone except a Joshi. Yeah. Like it would even look too small. It probably even looked too small in Amy Sakura. Yeah, it it probably would. They need to update that thing. Yeah, I I do like the design they have for it, but the size is just mm-hmm. too small. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Karushita would make it look small. <laughs> yeah. My second beef is with Dustin Rhodes. Ugh. Ugh. You're not playing Gold Dust anymore. Stop being a sex pest. <laughs> That's I assault. I did not want to watch a Jack Swagger versus Gold Dust match, but that's what we fucking got. It, Are we done was... with what's my beef now? I think so. Deep breath. Okay. And out. We do have an amazing match to talk about now. Yes. It was it was it was a good match. It was a very cathartic match for a lot of it. For a while, yeah. It there was a lot of Cody went for maximum pain when there were a number of times he could have won the match. Yep. Um there was like just hitting very fast, catching up to him when MJF would leave. Uh I had a thought here. <laughs> MJF being the one who bled during the match. Mm-hmm. Which Not is Cody. unusual for Cody. I know, um, right? He usually doesn't give that up. No, the uh the the Wardlow, Brandy, and Arn all got involved in their own way. Uh yeah. Which was very well placed. I, I actually feel when MJF was out of the ring or he was doing the blade job or whatever, um, they would pick up the attention to draw away from that, mm-hmm. which I really liked. I also, I like Brandy as she is played now. I enjoyed the Nightmare Collective conceptually. Yes. But it was not, it, it didn't have the execution down. No, there was a good idea there, but something about it just never quite hit a stride. That's that's about how I feel. Yep. Um, so there's, there's a lot. Arn takes a bump. But yep, Cody goes to hit Wardlow, steps out of the way, he ends up hitting uh, Arn instead, which, I don't know, maybe eventually Arn will turn on Cody like he did his dad. <laughs> maybe. Um, and, it, yeah, so my one major criticism of this match, and I'm okay with how it, I, to, to clarify, the match ended with MJF punching Cody with a dynamite diamond ring. Because Cody had a bit of hubris and went for a third crossroads. Third crossroads. Yep. Um, but, okay, so my thing here is more than anything, the the dynamite diamond ring spot wasn't sold well. Okay. Because I had no idea that Cody didn't just take a normal punch. Yeah, it wasn't until MGF put it back in his trunks 
that it became obvious what happened. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it was it was awkward in real time, and that's like yeah. my main criticism of the finish. But but besides that, the match was like I said was very cathartic feeling, and MJF is on his way up as a heel in this company. Mm-hmm. Like holy shit! And like the thing that gets me is he's twenty three. Yep. God, I'm old. I mean, same. <laughs> but like, he's twenty three. He's got so much career left. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to be the kind of heel who sticks around for a really long time. Like, he's And honestly, I hope, they, I hope they never even humor the idea of turning him face. I, how, how do you? <laughs> I mean, very, very carefully. But I certainly hope they don't. Yeah. No, but he's he's kind of got a little bit of that spoiled rich kid angle. Yep. And like certain other companies, spoiled <laughs> rich kids are the good you guys. Know, half of the ownership group. Um, <laughs> as, but it doesn't feel like that's something that would fly in AEW. I don't think. I think all of the EVPs know that nobody likes a spoiled rich kid except yeah. another spoiled rich kid. And really, this whole push for MGF to to be so heelish, it it honestly kind of reminds me of uh, Brock Lesnar a bit. In that, when he defeated the Undertaker at WrestleMania, the thought was that anyone who managed to get the win over Taker at WrestleMania and break the streak mm-hmm. would never be cheered again. Because how do you wipe that from people's minds? Oh, you make him the only one worth watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i am interested in saying where they go with mjf or if it becomes like a mjf versus cody two, cody wins and then they have a rubber match i honestly hope they split them apart for a while and come back sometime later let them both do other things and build up again yeah no that's that's for sure so then as was mentioned we have the sleeper match of the night oh goodness I, I was looking forward to this one so much when it was announced in Dynamite. Absolutely. So this was the match that I think I was hyped for all of these matches, but I think this one was the one that I was most hyped for because <laughs> he's gonna try. He's gonna try. He's gonna try. <laughs> yeah, it's Orange Cassidy versus Pac, where even Orange Cassidy's pyro was on point for this. Yes. That was the most half-assed pyro I've ever seen. And I've been to shows that use sparklers. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, okay, so like Orange Cassidy still did his typical Orange Cassidy. You know, he did the hands in pockets. He did the gentle taps with his feet. And Pac even humored it for a little bit. Like, they did the, they traded blows back and forth at very, very light yeah, but Pac wanted Strength. to see what was up. He's trying to feel it out. Like, what is going on here? <laughs> uh, like, and then eventually was, had enough. Yeah. No, it, the, the match was so... It was, it was an unorthodox wrestling match, for sure. Yep. But it was one that was enjoyable throughout. Because you had, like, really good moments of, like, Pac getting more and more angry at Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy pulling off some amazing work Mm -hmm. 
like okay so one of my highlights for the match was um yeah the black arrow spot was golden but like where orange cassidy's rolling around the ring to one side or the other and <laughs> pack is playing you know playing the character perfectly where he's like running between sides of the ring orange <laughs> cassidy just keeps rolling back and forth eventually catches up to him and just sees Pax sitting there and is immediately corpsing, it looks like. But, like, it's definitely an intentional corpsing. Yeah. Um, then, Which then... You go ahead. There's, there's so many good moments from this match. My absolute highlight of this match, though, was Orange Cassidy just out of nowhere hitting what is the most, what I can only describe as the most beautifully executed Superman punch I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. It it came out of nowhere. It sounded like a shotgun. And it, it was, just knocked Pac loopy. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous Superman punch. And the thing that I really liked about this is that this being Orange Cassidy's first real match in AEW, it was like watching a compilation video of all the indie stuff that I've seen from him. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, this is the perfect introduction for anyone who hasn't seen him before. It's the perfect catch up for anyone who has. And it's just damn entertaining. Absolutely. Um, So... At some point, the Lucha Bros come out and they fight yep. the best friends. Yep. There's Take a little them to bit the of drama there. There'll be more drama on Dynamite this week, too. <laughs> Which we'll get to soon. And then, um, you know, Orange Cassidy ends up losing the match. Yeah. Orange but lost the match to the Brutalizer. It was one of the... It, it, it somehow was one of... It, like... In a night of really good matches, it was okay. Here's the thing: it was the exact kind of thing that the crowd needed as a pickup after watching Cody lose. Yes, and even though Orange lost the match, he he lost no momentum. Like yes, no one watched that and went, crowd. "Oh, I'm sorry, I cheered for this guy for so long. I'm sorry, I got so excited to, and he just loses in his first match." Like, no, he came out of this looking amazing. He won the crowd. He showed that he has talent. Yep. And like, so Cody talked about how um, one of the things that they've had to do with the fact that Orange Cassidy is the most over performer in the company is that they have to be careful with how they use him. Yep. And this was a perfect, perfect use of Orange Cassidy. Because he didn't look any worse than he does. He's still got that Orange Cassidy swagger. He still doesn't care. Yep. But, like, it also helped push Pac and the, as we are soon to find out. The Lucha Bros. Lucha Bros storyline. So, like, it, it worked on many levels. And nobody came out of that match looking bad. And everyone has momentum going forward, which is so key. I, I mean, like, it, it, it didn't do anything for the best friends, but, like, it uh, did... Even then, they were out there showing support. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I will... I will take a second to note, and this is an official Marking Out With My Girlfriend podcast endorsement. Let Chucky e. T say shit on Dynamite. 
please. <laughs> let him say shit. Everyone Just else one. gets to. Let's let Chuck say it. <laughs> you get two per show. Give one of them to Chuck. Did you hear what happened with one of them? Yeah, the crowd. <laughs> the crowd took it with a holy shit chant during mm-hmm. the Iron Man match. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned that last week, but I can't remember. You did. Okay, good. Okay, so then following that match, we had the, the main AEW event. World Championship title match. The main event. With Le Champion. Le Champion versus Ja. <laughs> on moxley i didn't know justin roberts with a fucking murloc (laughs) (laughs) god damn it cat uh so (sighs) that was i mean like it was it was a main event Oh, yeah. This deserved to be in the main event spot. It was very much a a Jericho-controlled match, mm-hmm. which had interference from every member of the Inner Circle at some point. It was, and also one of my favorite moments of the night. Uh, we'll, we'll come to that as we okay. go through the match. But yeah, it, like, you know, it did what it needed to do. It got John over as a tough son of a bitch. (laughs) Yes, but like, you know, a a little bit of like the everyman kind of tough son of a bitch. The kind of like takes no shit. I'll beat the shit out of you. But like also, okay, so the thing that I've liked that they've done for John Moxley throughout his run with AEW is having him come in through the crowd. Yep. Because it builds the sense that he's the everyman. Yeah, he's definitely of the people. Right. And he trusts he's... them a lot more than anyone in the back. Right. It's it's everyone and Mox versus the inner circle. Yep. It's it's a little bit like um our good friend Cold Steve. Pour one out for the working man housing. I'm sorry I showed you that earlier. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> you didn't show me Dan Housen. I, I, I showed no, you I Dan sent Housen. You a, I sent you a link to something and you started talking about that again. If we were talking about White Claw. Were we? Yeah, because we were talking about having, um, like, trying to do a guest episode where we have Alley Cat on for the White Claw Wasted episode of Marking oh, Out God. with My Girlfriend. Okay, and but I, I can't get White Claw up here. You can soon. Canada will soon have White Claw. There's billboards all over Toronto about it. Okay, that's fair. I saw one. <laughs> I saw like three. <laughs> I only saw one. Uh, but I mean, okay, so I called and like everyone here can verify, but I called at the beginning of the match that the eye patch was coming off because there's yep. no way you leave the eye patch on at the end of the match. So yep, that's the big reveal. Yep. That's the big reveal. So after Moxley gets beaten pillar to post, literally mm-hmm. going through the timekeeper's table, going through a ring post, breaking up above his eyebrow, the eye patch filling with blood, and when he opened it up, it was just disgusting. Oh, it was great. <laughs> like, just 
glop. Yep. As all of that blood that's been sitting in there for the last five minutes. Yep. Like, glops out. There were definitely moments where the camera, like, moved, so you could tell he was, like... Yeah, he he, he was working a bit, and the camera should have moved a little bit more there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Jericho comes out with Santana Ortiz only... Hagar's quick to run out when Moxley reverses Jericho into a Boston Crab, mm-hmm. distracts him, ends up punching him. That catches Aubrey's attention. Which okay, but let, let's 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 take a moment for uh, Jim Ross moments of the of the oh, pay per view. Because Jr. keeps calling it the walls of Jericho. Mm. I mean, technically, he's in the wall at some point when he's doing a Boston Crab. <laughs> It, it's it's not an indictment of JR. I think JR adds a lot because okay, so I was talking about this on Squared Circle on Reddit because I participate in Reddit wrestling discussions sometimes. Regrettably, I don't. <laughs> but I like, look at this content. That's it. The thing that I like about the dynamic that the trio of Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and JR have. Is that A, it feels like they're all, like, friends. There's yep. no animosity between them as commentary, like, team. As the, the team doesn't feel like there's one heel or anything like that. They're just the commentary team. They're their own thing. And, like, the other thing that I really love about them is when one of them flubs, because it happens, they'll start to make fun of each other. <laughs> and, yep. like... That's a really refreshing thing that shows signs of them actually liking each other. Because it's like, you know, it's not so heavily scripted out that everything they say is, you know, like written along with the match. It's not shouted into their ear as it goes. Exactly. You don't hear the voice of one of the Bucks or Kenny Omega or Cody coming through the commentary. Yep. You hear Excalibur's like ridiculous knowledge. You hear JR's like folksy racism on occasion, <laughs> but also his his um, classical knowledge. His classical knowledge. Uh, you get Tony being Tony, and like he that they're all very good at what they do, and they play their parts well without it being antagonistic. Exactly. But yeah, so like that was it was it was a very good match. Um. Ugh. So, yeah, so Hagar runs in, gets the distraction of Mox, so he breaks up the hold. Uh, Proud and Powerful are distracting throughout the match while, while they're down there, eventually getting a hit in with the Mad Ball as well. Mm-hmm. So, Mox has been put through a table. He's been hit with the ring bell. He's been hit with a post. He's been hit with the Mad Ball. He gets punched by Hagar. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which then um, leads to all of them being uh, ejected. Ejected, Which thank you. was, again, one of my favorite moments of the night. Oh my gosh. Because Aubrey... Because they, they have Aubrey do every single, like, title match for the... Because, like... The, she's the big match ref. She's good at that, too. She, she's amazing. Um, I should note that for the Orange Cassidy versus Pac match, it was uh, Bryce Ramsberg, because who else would it be but Bryce Ramsberg? If you... Uh, According so to Twitter, Aubrey he, like, demanded whole, that match. Yeah, absolutely. Aubrey does, like, a whole Enrico Palazzo routine <laughs> for the naked gun. Like, 
for when he's calling strikes. <laughs> and, like, does a little wind-up, rolls her arms, and ejects, ejects them, and Ortiz Ortiz bumps so hard for being ejected. You'd think he took a drop kick on the You'd, on the apron. It really looked like he took a drop kick on the apron, but he oh. was just bumping for getting ejected. Yep. Now, while that happens, Sammy comes out from the crowd and hits Mox with the belt. Yep. So, like, he's really going through the ringer here he's been hit with literally everything they can throw at him at this point Mm -hmm. jericho eventually crawls over for a count only gets a two though because that's how tough mox is Mm -hmm. jericho then stabs mox's other eye (laughs) so he's down to exactly zero eyes yep and there's some like really like gut-wrenching moments of mox just swinging at nothing yeah it's like you're hoping he's gonna catch him but he's gonna he's catch so him at far some point, away but it's just like <sighs> like it's just like oh god he's defenseless he's like really trying here but he doesn't he's like, just gonna keep fighting because that's who he is yeah but he's not getting anywhere and then Jer- so jericho lines him up mm-hmm. and goes for the judas effect on, on the eye patch side and Moxley ducks. <laughs> Jumps back up, hits a DDT, pulls off the eye patch. And like points at his eye, like so points there's like his a eye, of blood. T- tells the crowd, I can see you. Point at all of them. Turns around, Jericho is stunned. He doesn't know what to do, and he walks right into a paradigm shift for three. And then yeah, that like it's a very good way to do a title change. Mox has his little speech at the end of the pay-per-view, which was cute. They start playing his music. He goes, hey, what the fuck? Because <laughs> from pay-per-view, we can do that. <laughs> it was good. It was, I, I thought it was a very, very, very good pay-per-view. This pay-per-view was four hours long. It didn't feel like it. I could have sworn this is what a dynamite is supposed to feel like in length. Like, this felt about two hours. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, hey friends, I'm going to suggest we take a quick break because I have to pee. I'm going to sign off. Thank you for listening and be gay. Do crimes. Bang. dong there sorry did you say you have a nice dong and i got it on the podcast recording yeah